In our last episode, we talked about catalysts and how they allow us to do things that would not be possible without them. Catalysts give reactions an avenue to go down that requires less energy and makes it easier for this reaction to happen. This allowed, for example, the car manufacturers to create combustion engines with a more complete conversion of fuel into CO2, water and energy using the so-called catalytic converter. There are many catalysts out there and they can play crucial roles in various parts of our lives. One such group we will discuss today. We'll talk about enzymes. Enzymes are nature's catalysts that allow our bodies to do many things that would be impossible to do without it. From DNA replication all the way to food digestion, nature has made sure that our cells, and also the cells of bacteria and other life forms, have the ideal tools to make those reactions happen. Heck, they are so effective that scientists chose to isolate some of them and use them for our own purposes, because they're so good at what they do. My name is Johannes Vogel, and you're listening to Chemistry in Everyday Life, my podcast where I explain the chemistry that happens all around us in layman's terms. Chemistry is the study of the attributes and changes that substances can undergo, no matter if they're gases, liquids, or solids. And believe me when I tell you that this happens everywhere around us at this very moment. So, enzymes are a subgroup of a big group of molecules called proteins. If you want to know in general more about this group of molecules, check out the fourth episode of this podcast where I discuss what exactly proteins are. In a nutshell, proteins are molecules made up of one long chain, often with many hundreds or even thousands of chain links. These links or subunits are called amino acids. There are 21 different amino acids that may all act as chain links, and they have different properties. Some, like water, some are attracted to oil. Others, again, cause a turn in the amino acid chain, and the list goes on like this. Each protein has a very specific sequence of amino acids that is predefined. According to that sequence, this long chain folds itself up in an always identical manner and way, something that would be impossible to achieve by sheer accident. And this folding of the cell determines the function of the protein in the body. If you do remember, proteins are found in the skin, in muscles, in the blood, in the hair, you name it. Any body part you'll find protein. Remember I said enzymes have the function of catalysts, i.e. they catalyze reactions that happen within the body. But what does that mean again? Well, essentially a catalyst is an alternative way to achieve a goal. It allows a reaction to occur under conditions that require less energy than without the catalyst. And, very importantly, after the catalytic reaction is done, the catalyst is reformed and can do the same reaction again. So enzymes do just that within the body for one very specific reaction each time. There is a huge and vast amount of enzymes in the human body alone. They're typically divided in groups according to function. 
To talk about all subgroups of enzymes would completely destroy the framework of this podcast, so we'll focus on something that we can all appreciate. Let's talk about food. So, when we talk about food, we have to look at the digestive system. To be more exact here, let's look at the enzyme pepsin that is found in the human digestive system, but also in the digestive system of many other animals, many vertebrates. Pepsin is produced in the stomach to start the digestion of proteins, so mainly meat, but also beans and other sources of protein, and it always does it in the same way. It specifically breaks the amino acid chain that a protein is made up of at a link between two amino acids with an oily affinity, also called hydrophobic, from the Greek hydro, water, and phobic being afraid of. I spoke about this in a different episode of this podcast, that amino acids have different properties, and some of them are more likely to associate with fatty and oily substances, others like water more, for example. So in this case, two oily amino acids. I'm trying to think right now off the top of my head of of two or three amino acids that you might have heard of. So maybe check out on some of the backs of, of the cans for something called alanine or phenylalanine or valine. I think these ones you might may have heard of before. So enzymes are proteins that catalyze one specific reaction in the body. The question really is how do they do that? So, as I said before, catalysts lower the energy needed for a reaction to occur. In the case of enzymes, you need to imagine a big protein mass all wrapped up and one particular part of the surface of that big protein mass allows the reactants, i.e. the two substances or three substances or just one substance, that is part of this reaction to um, to bind to it. So in this case, other proteins that found their way into your stomach to interact with, with this particular protein. This place, this surface part of the enzyme is quite aptly called the active site. The active site attracts the two reactants and the energy needed is lower because of this, because it brings them close together, making the interaction easier. In my mind, I don't know why, for some reason, I always think of two hands grabbing one of each reactant, just whacking the two together, and at the end you have what you want. Let's think about this. At the moment, sitting out in your garden, yard, or wherever you like to have barbecues, and you just prepared yourself a juicy steak. You cut off a piece, you chew it, to make the piece even smaller, saliva starts some first digestive processes, and then you swallow the food. It arrives via the esophagus in the stomach. We know that the stomach contains the stomach acids. These acids also contain a mix of various other things. The enzyme pepsin is part of that mix. So the chewed up delicious steak morsel is now in your stomach. And pepsin can get to work. Remember, steak contains a lot of proteins, as it was formerly used as muscle. So now we have the situation I mentioned earlier. Pepsin randomly swims through the watery acid alongside these protein chains, now known as steak, formerly known as functional bovine muscle, and will become attracted to a part of the chain where some fatty and oily, so-called hydrophobic or water-disliking amino acids are grouped together. The active site of the enzyme binds to it in some form or another, 
and fixes the connection between two hydrophobic amino acids in place. This then allows a split of this connection with something as simple as a molecule of water, H2O. The water molecule is effectively the scissor that cuts the link open. It's super simple, but under normal conditions, this would not happen as easily. Only the presence of pepsin makes this digestive process a reliable reality, for lack of a better term. So this is it really in a nutshell. Enzymes are a big bundle of proteins that have a specific so-called active site where the magic happens. And their reaction is sped up by several orders of magnitude. In the digestive system of the mammalian body alone, there are hundreds of different enzymes involved fulfilling various tasks. Other examples of digestive enzymes are, for example, alcohol dehydrogenase that takes care of the alcohol in beers, wines, and other spirits. Another fun one is an enzyme produced by bacteria in the gut of cows and sheep, among other animals. The enzyme is the reason why cows can digest grass and gain energy from it, and humans cannot. Huge topic, and every single enzyme is worth an episode, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Thanks a lot again for listening. This time short and sweet, and I hope I can welcome you again soon. Take care, guys. You've been listening to Chemistry in Everyday Life, a podcast about chemistry that happens all around us, explained in layman's terms. If you liked what you heard, please rate us on the podcast medium of your choice. Alternatively, you can leave comments on Twitter under at chemistryineve1 or send me an email under chem.podcast at gmail.com. That's chem.podcast at gmail.com. Thanks a lot for listening and I'll see you guys next time.